Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John O'White or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader. And in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult. And, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest, and I was just saying to him how much I've been looking forward to this episode. Very excited uh, to have Guy Kawasaki on the podcast. Uh, Guy is the chief evangelist at Canva and is the host of the Remarkable People podcast. Welcome to my podcast, Guy. Thank you. I mean, I'm, it's a privilege and honor. Yeah, I've, I'm really excited to chat with you. First of all, for our listeners, um, many, many people will know of you or be familiar with your work and, and may even be familiar with your podcast, but just can you give a bit of an overview of particularly at the moment what you're doing? I am chief evangelist of an Australian company, Canva, located in Sydney, Australia, and I am the host of the Remarkable People podcast. And that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And um, I've been looking forward to asking this question for a while because I love hearing people's stories. And uh, as you look back on your, you know, on your life and your leadership so far, and and even even back as far as childhood, I'd love for you to share um, some of the moments that really shaped you becoming the leader and the person you are today. Well, how long have you got? I I have a lot (laughs) of stories that shape me. So I I am from Honolulu, Hawaii. I come from a lower middle class family in a lower middle class place. And uh, what shaped me, well, first of all, a sixth grade teacher convinced my parents to take me out of the public school system in Hawaii and put me in the private school college prep system. Mm -hmm. And that changed the arc of my life because uh, I went to this college prep school. This college prep school, I don't know why, somehow convinced me to apply to Stanford. I got into Stanford. There I met someone who recruited me into Apple, and the rest is history. So none of that would have happened if I had stayed in Hawaii. So that's number one. Uh, Number two, believe it or not, I used to catch the bus to school, and twice I was robbed on the bus or at a bus stop or in the bus. And I have to tell you, the the (laughs) <laughs> the good news out of that is that I vowed that, you know, I would not live in a place where I was going to get robbed and I would not be taking public transportation. So <laughs> wow. those two incidences of crime uh, mm. really influenced my life. And then a third incident, you probably are saying, guy, you know, I should have never asked you this question. A third <laughs> incident is that a family friend gave me a ride in his Porsche 911. This is when I was in high school. And oh my God, I said, you know, I have got to get a car like this. I don't, whatever, (laughs) you know, show me what to study, show me how hard to work. I am going to do this. And fast forward four or five years later, I'm in college and my roommate was a very, from a very wealthy family in Arizona. And so I visit him once and his father Mm -hmm. picks us up in a Rolls Royce. So my head is exploding. We go to his house, which is the back. Uh, his backyard is the golf course for the Arizona Biltmore Hotel, which is a highly, highly (laughs) 
prestigious property in Phoenix. Yeah. And we go out to dinner and his mom asked me to drive her home. So I drive her home in her Ferrari Daytona. And once again, I said, you know what, guy? I mean, <laughs> this is where it's at. And so I know many people have much better stories about denting the universe, overcoming poverty, making the world a better place. But I got to tell you, man, I, I, I was not motivated by changing the world. I was motivated by changing the car. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> it's uh, it's always and it's always fascinating, isn't it? Um, I mean, uh, if I think about my journey in leadership, I would love to say I've always uh, it's always been so altruistic, and but there's definitely been moments where I was actually just thinking about this yesterday. To tell you the truth, where I thought, you know what, I I remember just longing to impact a lot of people. And just longing to be able to get up and, and do something. And and I remember even sort of in the shower, just like imagining being speaking in front of like <laughs> massive groups of people. And some of that's probably Jono. There's yeah. probably a bit of ego in that. But then there's also something that I I think I've been, that's what I was thinking about yesterday going, I don't know if that's normal. I think that is, there's something about that that's my story. <laughs> and and that's been formative. And, and part of the reason I'm doing something like this is, is because you know, at a at a younger age, I was I was imagining that it was a bit of a dream I had. There you go. So, yeah, you have much more noble <laughs> oh, origins I than I do. I don't know. I don't know about that. Well, I want to hear you. You do, you know, incredible incredible work in in so many different spheres and have such an an amazing um, background with the different things you've done. When you were, I, I guess, when you think about a young guy Kawasaki in terms of you might have been driven by the idea of the, of the car rather than, you know, change the car rather than changing the world. But do you remember having, <laughs> <laughs> I like that's a good catchphrase. Do you remember, do you, do you remember having an aha moment when you were younger about entrepreneurship and cause you're obviously very entrepreneurial and very uh, I, I, I like the way you think out, outside the box. Did you have a moment where you thought, wow, okay, maybe the way I think is a bit, different to other people and maybe i can do this and make make something of myself that's different to what i expected do you remember a moment like that nope <laughs> <laughs> i yeah i was fascinated with hewlett packard and national semiconductor and yeah coming to the mainland from hawaii it just kind of removed the scales from my eyes because in hawaii if you were successful, highly successful, you were working in the hotel business, the agricultural business, state government, you know, something like that. There, there was no sort of, there was no real startup environment. Mm. And maybe you owned a store or a, you know, a restaurant, but there was no Hewlett Packard around there. And, and I, I came to Silicon Valley and I saw, <laughs> you know what what entrepreneurship could truly mean and let's just say the the scales were removed from my eyes mm. what what did you find most surprising what was it about hewlett packard compared to um uh you know the different opportunities that you'd seen in hawaii that caught you most made your eyes light up the most well just you know the the impact the the 
the sheer dollar amount of sales is, you know, it's, it's what, it's one thing to have a successful restaurant. It's quite another to have a Hewlett Packard. Right. And so, <laughs> you know, those were the kind of things that just, it boggled my mind coming from Hawaii. It boggled my mind. You know, there's such wealth and such impact hmm. and, um, I know I'm coming off like a truly materialistic punk, but <laughs> on the other hand, you can't say I'm dishonest. Uh, I'm telling you the truth. I, I, you know, I don't need to, there, I think there are a lot of people who look back on their lives and they sort of reinvent history, right? Like, <laughs> I always wanted to make the world a better place for the disenfranchised. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, how do you define always? <laughs> yeah. No, I love your honesty. So, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's great vulnerability and and being honest about um what what might have been some initial motivations that that uh, when you went there and you went to Silicon Valley, did you feel like it fit you straight away, or did it take you a while to feel at home there? Well, I was totally intimidated. I mean, mm. coming from Hawaii where a big deal was running a, a drugstore. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, for sure. And then I went to work for Apple after college and, you know, working for Steve Jobs, that's a mind expanding <laughs> exercise <laughs> in and of itself. So uh, I just, listen, I'm very fortunate mm. and I've been lucky and I'm willing to work hard. That is a pretty good combination. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Actually, either one can make you successful, but both uh, are really, really powerful combination. Yeah, I and, agree. And, you know, I, I, I want to I tell people that you know, if they're listening to this and they're, they're having these negative thoughts like, what a jackass, you know, he didn't <laughs> want to make the world a better place. He just wanted a Porsche, which is a, a fair interpretation of what I just said. <laughs> but I think the deeper message, if there is a deep message, is that, you know, it doesn't matter what motivates you. What matters mm. is that you get motivated. And so I mm. wanted to change the car. I wanted a better life. And so that's why I worked hard and studied hard and, you know, did all this kind of stuff. You may want to dent the universe. Mm. As long as you get motivated and I get motivated, that's all that matters. And from there, you know, let's see how it plays out. So that's a very important lesson. You don't, you don't have to have this motivation that uh, you, you feel like if you're in a beauty contest and, you know, <laughs> in a beauty, in, in these beauty contests, there's always this like 60 seconds. So what motivates you? What makes you, you know, tick? Why, why do you, what do you want to accomplish in your life? And nobody says, I want to change from a Toyota to a Porsche. Okay. In those contests. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I guarantee you, there are a lot of people in a beauty contest who are thinking, oh man, I just don't want to work in Starbucks. Yeah. That's my motivation. But you think yeah. they're going to say that? No, they're going to say, um, you know, world peace. Oh, that's so true. Uh, so you must get asked this all the time, but when you went to work for Steve jobs, um, are there any, and, and you might've shared some of these elsewhere, but I just, I just have to ask anyway, it's one of my, one of my favorite books that I've read <laughs> is the Walter Isaacson uh, biography of Steve Jobs. Just a wonderful, yeah. I, I was laughing out loud reading through that book just because I found the stories as a, as a person who loves leadership. I just found the stories and the nuances and the realities that were reflecting that just so <laughs> brilliant. Do you have any, 
favorite stories that you can share um, with listeners from your time at Apple? Sure. So first of all, I did not read that book and I really don't read any books about Apple. Mm. Uh, and it's, it's maybe it's a little bit of PTSD. You know, I don't know how many Vietnam War veterans read Vietnam War books. Okay. Sure. But um, I just, when I read these and I see these inaccuracies, it just bugs me. So I just don't read them. And, you know, I was there, so I know what happened. I don't need yeah. to have somebody interviewing somebody who I don't even know. You know, <laughs> a lot of times these sources, I'm saying to myself, who is this source who claims to be inside of Apple and really knows all this stuff? But anyway, <laughs> uh, so my favorite story and a story that just illustrates everything in a nutshell is one yeah. day I'm in my cubicle working and Steve shows up with a total stranger and he asked me what I thought of a company and its software. And I told him the software and company were mediocre. It wasn't strategic for us. And at the end of this diatribe, he says to me, I, I want you to meet the CEO of the company. So he totally set me up for that. And that was a really interesting <laughs> moment in my life, let's just say. <laughs> and the CEO was standing right there while you were while you were saying what you thought. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and so and that's what it was like at Apple. <laughs> yeah. You had to, you know, you had to prove yourself every day. Every day. And are there any are there any leadership lessons that you see in the way you lead today and the way you you lead others that you really particularly link back to your time at Apple where you think yeah that was probably my the way I do that is very linked to that season like you said that um, that you just described as uh, being on the inside of probably what a lot of people misunderstand but you were there are there any are there any things that you do and lessons that you see yourself doing today that really link back to there well. Uh, I think that one of the lessons I learned is that your current customer would have great difficulty explaining to you how to truly revolutionize your business. They can tell you how to make it better or faster and cheaper, but they can't tell you how to fundamentally change it because mm. it's it's not in their wheelhouse, right? So if you're buying an Apple II from Apple and Apple asks you, well, what would you like next? They're going to say a bigger, faster, cheaper Apple II. They're not going to tell you to build a Macintosh. And yeah. if you're buying Macintoshes, they're not going to tell you, oh, make me an iPod. So th that's one thing I learned. Another I thing I learned about personnel is uh, you should hire people who are better at their job than you are. Mm. So if you look around the room and the person running engineering is better than you in engineering and accounting is better in accounting and sales is better and you know, operations is better and hr is better that should be a great source of pride yes you know uh, as we say a players hire a players or even better a players hire a plus players but yes. there are many people who want to look around the room and say i'm i'm the big dog here i am superior mm. to everyone in this room if you ever have that going through your brain you are a loser i mean there's mm. no question you are a loser you're an insecure loser I think you hit the nail on the head because I've certainly seen that where uh, I only realized it recently and it's come up a few times on the podcast that great leaders, uh, it's it's one of the big differentiators I think that I've noticed is that something that holds back poor poor leaders and that they have in common when people leave them and it's and they get frustrated and is that they have this obsession with being smartest in the room and I don't know if there's any self-awareness of it but I certainly see great leaders being yeah. very comfortable uh, 
uh, being the even being the dumbest person in the room and going, that's great. That in <laughs> fact, that's a win. <laughs> well, ideally, it wouldn't be too easy to be the dumbest person in the room. No, excuse me, I said that wrong. Ideally, it wouldn't be too easy for you to be. Hi, I'm so confused. Like, this is like a double negative, right? Basically, <laughs> you, you, it should be hard to be smarter than you, but you still want them smarter than you. Yeah, <laughs> you want to be as smart as you can and hire people that are smarter than you. That's the whole A to A plus yeah. thing, right? I'm not, saying, I'm not saying I'm not saying be a dummy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's good. Uh, what you said first is uh, I find is really challenging, which is, and, and I see it all the time. I think we even set ourselves yeah. up by doing market research with our customers. What would you like to see us do differently? And I think you nailed it. It's like, I would love to see bigger, better, faster, and cheaper, please, would be wonderful. Um, and we and we scratch our right. heads and go, how are we going to do this? So how, and I know this has been, a you've thought very deeply about this, and it's probably been a big part of, of your life sort of work. <laughs> How do we do that? How, what would you say to a leader who's pulling their hair out going, I have to create the next thing in terms of in my business, but I'm struggling to see beyond customers asking for bigger, faster, better, and cheaper. Like, how do you, how do you do it differently? Um. Well, that's where luck comes into it. <laughs> and uh, well, w one path is you build the product that you want to use. And then you just hope yeah. you're not the only nutcase that wants to use it. I would say that <laughs> would be a very good guide. Um, it's naughty. I mean, that's why it's hard to be innovative. And, you know, well, another path logically mm. would be acquisition that, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To buy out people who are, who are about to kill you yeah. um <laughs> that's just the way it is no i think that's i think that's uh i think they're two really good tips and i think sometimes we we love to be a little bit idealistic with this um but i i love the re realistic advice you just gave which is what would you you know design the product that you would love to use um and hope you're not the only nutcase who would love to use it and look at acquiring <laughs> who's already made something that is that next generation beyond what a, what customers are asking for and what they actually truly will want and will need and see if you can acquire them. I think that's really um, wise advice. Well, I, I hope that, you know, people take this to heart that uh, it's, it's very difficult. And I think that's what makes Apple a trillion dollar company mm. is that, yeah, they went from Apple one to Apple. Two. No, not all of these success. What I'm about to rattle off. Okay. Yeah. It went from Apple one to Apple two to Apple three to Mac to Lisa to Macintosh to Newton to iPhone, iPod, iPad, and you know roughly fifty percent of those were winners. But I mean, fifty percent is a much higher batting average than most companies. And it's also 50% of eight or nine things. It's not 50% of two things. Mm. So now how did they do that? Well, I mean, that's why Steve Jobs was a unicorn who farted pixie dust. I mean, they don't come along that often. And so, <laughs> you know, so it's not a strategy to say, all right, so my strategy is I'm going to be the next Steve Jobs. Yeah. Because I hate to tell you statistically, you're not the next Steve Jobs. Just 
give it up. You, you, the odds <laughs> of you being the next Steve Jobs, just ask Elizabeth Holmes, are zero. It's zero. So that's the wrong test for you. Mm. What would you say? I mean, there'd be, there'd be a lot of leaders listening who, uh, <laughs> who maybe are trying to work out. Maybe they, they someone tuned out. They tuned out when I. <laughs> they do that when they said when I said my motivation wasn't getting a Porsche. Uh, they hung I, I, up. They went to listen to Joe Rogan or something. <laughs> I think a lot of them are nodding along in the car, going, "Yeah, no, that's true. That's me, yeah. me too, guy." <laughs> what what advice would you give them if it's not about being Steve Jobs? What what do you think if you were sitting one on one with a leader who was saying, "I just really want to be the next Steve Jobs," and you say, "Well, that's not realistic." What what is a realistic sort of um approach for a leader in 2022 when we're recording this to to really um i guess to be successful in business what 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 should we be aspiring to to do and to be how do you think about that well i think that you should well there's two paths one is build the product that you want Mm. and just hope you're not the only nutcase that wants it so i already explained that yeah. And that has worked very well in tech, although, you know, it's kind of selective reasoning because you only remember the successes. You, you don't remember all the people who <laughs> built the product they want and they were the only people who wanted it. But I, I would say that percentage wise, that's the richest game, the richest vein. I'm not saying it's 100 percent, but it's richer than, oh, I'm going to read the McKinsey report and then decide on, you know, making this kind of company because it's a hot sector. I, mm. I don't agree with that theory. Uh, mm. So that's that's one theory. Build the product you want. And I, I would also I, I would also say that the key word here is empathy. So can you walk in the shoes of your customer? Yeah. And, or potential customer. Now, I, I with the caveat that empathy is difficult because it's you really have to walk in their shoes you can't just intellectualize oh what would it be like for you know somebody like this and so uh i'll give you an example of true empathy so yeah there's a guy named martin lindstrom who i interviewed for my podcast and he talks about teaching empathy to a large pharmaceutical company who wanted to quote unquote get closer to its customer so, you know, typically when you hire someone to help you get closer to your customer, you do focus groups, right? Yeah. And then you you bring these people into a room and you pay them a hundred bucks for an hour or two, and they're sitting next to each other and they're each trying to sound smart so that the person sitting next to them don't think they're stupid. I mean, that's how focus groups work, mm-hmm. which means that, you know, everybody's going <laughs> Everybody's going to be bullshitting everybody else. So instead, what he did is he took the executives of that company, put them in a room, he gave them straws, and he said, all right, for the next few minutes, you breathe through the straw. Of course, some executives couldn't do it and hated it. And he said, well, you're a pharmaceutical company. You have medicine for asthmatics. That's what it feels like to have asthma. You want to feel empathy? Breathe through the straw. So I'm telling you, Mm. figure out. You know, what's the straw you need to breathe through to truly, truly understand what your customer is going through and then build that? Mm. Yeah, I love that. I love that story about uh, find the straw that you can breathe through, actually experience 
um, find a way to actually experience and understand if if a company managed to hire you for a month to come in and help them understand their customers, what would you do? Where would you start? Well, <laughs> I'd pass out straws. Uh, <laughs> and tell a story about a pharmaceutical <laughs> company. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, I, I, I really, well, I, I'm not being facetious. Well, I'm not being as facetious as you might think, but <laughs> I would tell them, Hmm. And let's assume it's going to be primarily male, right? Because that's just the inequity of the world right now. But mm -hmm. I would tell them, you know what? Go ask your wife what you should make. Because I believe that women are better product designers and better empathizers and better understanders of marketing than men. Hmm. So that would be one way. Um, <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, what's funny? That's true. So... I, I, there's a lot of truth to that, I think. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I think that's. I, I love that thought. I, are there any examples of just because this comes up so often on the on the podcast, and I think I can't. Uh, I probably underestimated in the past how big of an issue this is because if you don't uh, if you don't empathize with your customers then you end up going down this whole strategy and line that's completely irrelevant, and you build you build everything almost on sand and, and uh, that eventually shows itself and, and crumbles. And it really is more important and underpins a lot of other things that we, that we can talk about around leadership. That's why I think it's so, I, I love having this chat with you. And I, I think a lot of, a lot of leaders need to work on this. Are there any other examples that you can think of, of where you've really admired the way people have uh, really walked in the shoes of their customers um, anything from your time at Apple that you saw, and uh, because I, I wonder how on earth did 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 uh, how on earth did through those years did Apple do that so well, and did Steve Jobs do that well? But even since, and with what you're doing now, any stories well, where you think, "Wow, yeah, that was a great way to do that." <laughs> well, I have to say that you know, I I I don't think that the word empathy has been often applied to Steve Jobs. <laughs> Let's just say, okay. <laughs> so, but again, again, repeating what I said before, you're not yeah. Steve Jobs. So maybe Steve Jobs can do it without empathy, purely on vision or purely on the force of his personality to convince you to buy what he wants you to buy. But you're not Steve Jobs. So you better work on empathy. <laughs> okay. Just statistically <laughs> work on empathy, not on being Steve Jobs. Okay. That's a, that's some good career advice for you. Yeah. Yeah, that is and good. So so now <laughs> so now what do you do? And I mean, one way of built-in empathy is you build the product that you want to use, right? I mean, then you don't have to empathize with somebody else, you just empathize with yourself. And with Apple, I would say today, I don't see a lot of empathy from Apple. I mean, mm. I, I I see you know, don't get me wrong, I'm pure Apple right now, and they have great products and all that, but there are things that you know, you, you just wonder, um, are you a Macintosh user? Yeah, yeah, I am. I, okay. I love I So, love And Mac, you yeah. have a laptop? Yes. Okay. So until very recently, I'm a, I'm a Mac user. I have, a lap, mm. I have several laptops. And for the life of me, you know, there are things that just bug me. Like you can't <laughs> tell if it's charging or not because that little LED is gone 
right? You have mm-hmm. to open it up and look for the lightning bar or the lightning thing in the charging, the battery icon in the upper right-hand corner. So that's how you know it's charging, by opening it up. You can't tell from across the room. Um, and then, you know, have you ever tried to set up an Apple Wi-Fi network? God help you. And <laughs> if you look at the uh, a simple thing like, oh, system preferences. So mm-hmm. it, it starts off organized by category. You can change it to alphabetical, which is what I do. But by category, like, have you ever looked at system preferences by category and tried to figure out how they categorize things? <laughs> I mean, go, go ahead, yes. everybody, you know, just put this podcast <laughs> on hold for a second. Go to your system preferences. And if you have it organized by category, you know, Look for the printing preference. Tell me what category is that in. Then look for, you know, energy saving. What category is that in? So, I mean, these are these little things. And imagine if you're a photographer and you have uh, SD cards with 32 gigabytes of pictures. And, oh, you have a recent MacBook or MacBook Air, and there's only two or three USB-C ports. So now you got to buy a dongle. Now, so you're buying a dongle to use your SD card, and then you have a label printer, and then you have a USB microphone, and then you have an external monitor, and then you have an external hard disk, and then you have Ethernet because you can't depend on wireless. I I will tell you, God's honest truth, my dongle used to have a dongle. Okay? (laughs) Wrap your mind around that. Now, people are wondering, what the hell is guy talking about? So a dongle is this thing that you stick into your USB-C port that yeah. has more ports on it, like several more USB, USB-A ports, an SD card reader, a micro SD card reader, Ethernet, you know. But I have so many devices, my dongle needed another dongle. <laughs> How can that be? How can that be? Now... Apple might say, well, you know, statistically, we've done the test, and of the 25 million Macs we sell a year, only 500,000 have the need for dongle. 24.5 million people, all they ever do is plug power into one Mm. of those two USB-C ports. In fact, there's an extra port for those people, and I'll tell you something, that may be true. I mean, I look at my kids and, you know, they don't have a print tool label. They don't use an XLR mic. They don't have an external hard disk. So maybe Apple's right, and I'm totally wrong. <laughs> I'm telling you, <laughs> I know a lot of people who just like, why do I need a dongle? And then I know some people like me, why do I need a dongle for my dongle? That is just beyond Thunderdome. <laughs> so you you think there's, you think, <laughs> how would... <laughs> So that might be an example how would that of be solved? A lack of empathy. Yeah, how how would that potentially be solved? Like, what would it look like for you to go? Yes, that's this is so easy. Well, they they recently announced a computer. They recently announced a computer, a MacBook Pro, that had all those things put back, right? Hmm. So you know, okay, but you know, I swear, I swear, Tim Cook must have a personal assistant. That Tim Cook. If he uses a DSLR, takes the SD card out, gives it to his personal assistant, who then uploads it for him. Because, you know, he doesn't have a dongle. He doesn't know what a dongle is. And so, 
and if <laughs> and if Tim Cook needs something a label printed, I guarantee you he ain't hooking up a Dymo label printer to his <laughs> MacBook Air in his Gulfstream. Okay, that just ain't happening. And he probably has like sixteen terabyte internal SSD, so he probably doesn't even know what an external drive is. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it would be nice if some of those executives at Apple or maybe some board of directors people would actually try to, you know, use Macintosh um, other than to answer email. Um, now, this may be unfair and, you know, all that. But, I mean, <laughs> if you look at the MacBook Air, seriously, can you can you honestly tell me, yeah, they really, they really have SD cards in that world. They really have multiple devices. They have XLR microphones. They really are using mm. it. No, they're plugging it into power. That's all they're mm. doing. It's interesting you mentioned that guy because one of, I, <laughs> I love the book Blue Ocean Strategy and the story they tell in the book, yeah. which re reminds me of what you just said about General Motors and how there was a season where they uh, – a point in time where they really lost connection with the average – person driving one of their cars wow. and and yeah, and the, i know um, what you're gonna say yeah the, the, the <laughs> i know what you're gonna say the connection they made is that these the uh the executive team guess what they they drove into work in their gm cars went up to their office and while they were at work people were detailing they were yep <laughs> they were servicing they were filling right. up fuel and so literally because of their position, they ended up completely removed from the reality of what it was like to use their products. Yeah, and every year they got a new one, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, how are you going to learn empathy? <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? We have, we have a lot of educational leaders. I just want to pick one group because I know there's a lot of educational leaders. Either they lead universities or schools. There's one group. So let's say mm -hmm. schools. How do you, because I see schools, schools really struggle with this and I scratch my head because I'm like, you, you are parents or you've been parents and yet these schools, these school leaders, I think really struggle to, to work out what parents really care about. In that example, would you have any advice for a school leader about how to get in the shoes of a, of a parent with a seven-year-old today in 2022? <laughs> well... Um, if there is a population in the world that I am willing to slide a break to, it is educators. Because I think educators do society's most important job mm. for the least amount of pay. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know what it's like in Australia, but in America, I mean, you look at what someone who works for Goldman Sachs makes versus what someone who teaches elementary school we're, we're yeah. talking orders of magnitude difference. And like, who's more important to the world? Someone who teaches elementary school or a Goldman Sachs private equity person? Mm -hmm. Let me think about that for a second. Oh, <laughs> I think it's the teacher. After much thought, I think it's the teacher. And, you know, maybe we should just buy one less aircraft carrier and fund all of education. <laughs> um, I, I just don't understand that. So, you know, I'm just telling you that I give educators, I think education is the purest form of social service. And so I am not going to tell you how they can empathize more because they deserve every break they can get. Um, <laughs> I, I could almost make the case that these parents should empathize with teachers more than teachers should empathize with parents. Yeah, yeah, that, I think that's fair. I agree. And, and it's better in Australia than in the US, I would say, but it's... 
one thing I've found working with school leaders in the UK as well is that one thing that is in common is that I agree educators are doing arguably the most important work in the world, not only for low pay, but there's also incredibly high burnout. And it's something that I find a, a lot of school leaders yeah. are now having to work out how do we keep great teachers without them leaving. And it's a, um, it's a debacle as a society because they are doing the most important work. I mean, truly, they are doing God's work. Mm. Truly. Yeah. Truly, they yeah. are doing God's work. So good. Well, <laughs> I, I respect that. I respect that call, and I think it's a good point, and I think it's an encouragement to educational leaders listening. I want to ask you a bunch of questions in Leadership Express because I'm really interested in, in hearing some of your thoughts. Are you ready? Go oh, far, far away. <laughs> What's a book, or you can pick a couple that you've gifted to others? This is a great question I got from Tim uh, Ferriss. I, I love his show. Yeah, the book is "If You Want to Write" by Brenda Euland. It is about unshackling yourself from negativity, whether it's internal or external negativity, and being the writer, the speaker, the video maker, the movie maker, the marketer, the programmer, whatever it is, whatever's creative helping you become more creative if you want to write. Brenda Eulin, I guarantee yeah. you will love this book. That's wonderful. Thank you. Uh, what about right now? Are you in the middle of reading any any books or any podcasts you're loving listening to uh, or any other blogs or anything that you're just really enjoying right now, Guy? You know, I am such a content creator that I very seldom consume content other than news. Mm -hmm. With the exception that I interview at least 52 people a year. So about 45 times a year, I read a book. And, yes. Um, so I read a book a week in order to prepare for interviews. I have to read one today for an interview for tomorrow. And so that's yes. just the nature of my game. Mm -hmm. And uh, a recent book that I liked a lot was a book by Katie Milkman. I mm -hmm. can't even remember the title because when you read 52 a year, it's hard to remember the title, but <laughs> she is a social psychologist uh, at, I think, University of Pennsylvania. And uh, it's that kind of, I love those kind of books. The Bob Cialdini books about influence and persuasion. It's in that ilk. Mm, yeah. Uh, How to Change, The Science of Getting from Where You Are to Where You Want to Be by Katie Milkman. Is okay, that the one there you're you talking go. about? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. A quick Google. Uh, no, thank you. That's a great, a great recommendation. Uh, here's one. Do you have any favorite questions that you ask when you're interviewing on remarkable people, when you're in a one-on-one, -on -one, when you're um, in a, in a board meeting, an executive team meeting, sitting over lunch, are there any questions that a guy Kawasaki's sort of, well, yeah, I probably asked that particular question quite a lot. Well, uh, to tell you the truth, with my podcast, and it's called Remarkable People, so I interview remarkable people, one of which is uh, Melanie Perkins, the founder of Canva. She's mm. truly remarkable. Mm -hmm. and so there is not a standard question that I ask everybody uh, because they are so different. They go from Jane Goodall to Melanie Perkins. And, you know, I can ask Melanie about starting a company. I can't ask Jane about that. On the other hand, I can ask Jane about how do you build trust in a chimpanzee? I can't ask Melanie that. So, mm. so honestly, my philosophy in podcasting is, first of all, let the guests talk. 95% mm. guess, 5% me. Mm -hmm. And what I try to do is with the first question of the interview, 
I want to ask them a question that proves to them that I truly have done the research. I, mm. I want someone to say, holy shit, guy <laughs> really did research on me. He didn't just read my Wikipedia entry. He's yeah. asking, you know, is my daughter still playing the piano? Or, <laughs> you know, has this thing that I mentioned in the 31st chapter really come true? Uh, I, I, I interviewed an actor named Josh Peck yesterday. Uh, mm. I don't, I don't know if Drake and Josh ever went to Australia, but Josh Peck is the name of the actor. Anyway, yeah. so in his book, uh, he said that when he turned in the book, he was just finishing, but it had not yet come out, a Disney series called Turner and Hooch. And so he was the detective in Turner and Hooch. And he says in the book, so, you know, as I'm writing this book, by the time you read it, for all I know, this series may be canceled. And you know what? Mm. It doesn't matter. Because this is about his his progression as an actor and a person. So he said, yeah, by the time yeah. you read this book, my series may be canceled and I don't care. So <laughs> I asked him the question. All right. So actually, Josh, I hate to tell you, but as you know, Turner and Hooch was canceled. So, you know, do you still think it doesn't matter? To which he said, yes. So, but the, I think the impact of a question like that is that, oh, guy really read the book. I mean, you know, he, <laughs> he really read the book and he's asking me something that is somebody had to put two and two together that I said in the book, by the time you read this, the series might be canceled. And, and it's true. It was canceled and guy called me on it. Now that wasn't the first question I asked him, but it's that kind of question that I want to do. And so my job is to find that kind of question for every podcast guest. And let's yeah. just say it is not trivial to do that. Yeah. That's a wonderful approach. And I think we can all take something away from that. Even if people aren't uh, doing a podcast, I think that's a great, uh, a great thought uh, around asking a question like that, that well, could work I in mean, a lot of contexts. Yeah. If you're, if you're listening to, if you're listening to this and you're saying, so what the hell does that have to do with me? I don't have a podcast. Well, I will tell you what it has to do with you. So when you're in a job interview, you need to figure out a question or a couple questions that clearly communicates to the boss or the recruiter or whatever that you truly have done your research, right? Mm -hmm. You, you, Truly, you didn't just read about the Wikipedia entry for Apple or Google or the startup. You truly, truly have done the research. Or if you're meeting with your future boss, you studied her LinkedIn profile. So you know that she worked at Apple and Steve Jobs was at Apple. So your opening question might be, tell me about what it was like to work at Apple. Because if I were the person mm. interviewing you and that was your first question to me in an interview, Irrelevant as it may seem, I would say, hmm, this person at least <laughs> knows how to use LinkedIn and put in the effort to, you know, read LinkedIn and figure mm -hmm. that out and ask me this question. So, you know, this person is rising to the top of the stack of resumes. So mm. that is no different than what I do for a podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, great. Thought. Or, or, you know, what the same thing applies for pitching a venture capitalist. Mm. Right. If you, you can yeah. ask a venture capitalist. So. 
uh, I see that you love surfing. I love surfing too. Or I see that you were an investor in, uh, take the worst case, Terranos. So, you know, <laughs> what got, no, you might not get hired if you, or you might not get the money if you ask that. But my, my point is, you know, it shouldn't be so, what do you do at the firm? What a dumbass question. Why don't you just say, yeah. don't fund me? Put the, just put a little sticky on your forehead. Don't fund me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, what's a recent leadership lesson you've learned for the first time or been reminded of? Oh man, <laughs> I I learn that every day. I, <laughs> I I you got you got me there when you put the word recent. In. <laughs> um, I I learned the value of having a virtual assistant to help you. <laughs> That's a recent lesson. Yeah, because uh, I am just swamped. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And yeah, she is good. better at being me than I am. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. I love that. Okay, here's one. Uh, what is a commonly held belief in your industry that you passionately disagree with? Oh, uh, well, which industry are you referring to when you say in your industry? Because I'm in several. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's go startups in terms of VC thinking, sort of um, venture capital and, and startups, if that's okay. Sure. Uh, okay. So for that one, I would say a very, a very dubious assumption is that um, investors invest in teams of great people. Now, this is not mm. to say that they don't invest in teams of great people or they're not looking for teams of great people. But my perspective is that at the time you need to squeeze the trigger, you have no idea if the team is really great. And frankly, there is no way to prove that unless, unless you have already built a billion-dollar successful company. Melanie Perkins doesn't have to prove she's a great mm. entrepreneur the next time she ever has to raise money, which she never will getting raised money but let's just say that if you are proven to the point of being that successful and that good you probably are not in the room asking for a million dollars in seed capital right so mm. almost by definition if you're pitching a vc it's because you're not proven as a leader if you were proven as a leader you wouldn't need to be in the room mm. so the question becomes, well, why does everybody say it? I need to present a world-class team to get an investment. It's because they went to some panel, and on the panel were five venture capitalists. And the moderator asked, what do you look for in a company you invest in? And guess what all five clones said? They said, we look for world-class teams. So <laughs> they took notes, and they said, okay, in my pitch, I have to prove that I'm a world-class team. So they spent 20 minutes doing that, at the end of which the the investors still don't know what the hell your company does. And so, you know what? My take on this is that you need to show them a product or a service that changes their pulse, that makes them excited. Hmm. And if you get that, then they might inquire about your background as a team. But just spending most of the pitch proving your world-class team is 
well, first of all, you can't prove that you're a world-class team and you probably aren't a world-class team for the reasons I mentioned that if you're raising money, by definition, you're not a world-class team. So mm. you start off and you show them either a great product or a great service that just makes their freaking heads explode or, or you say using seed capital and bootstrapping, we have already gotten to the point where I don't know, pick a number. A thousand people are signing up for our service a day. And so now we need expansion capital. They'll pay attention. Guess what? If you started off with a, a, a mind exploding demo or mm. by saying bootstrapping, we now have a thousand people signing up for our service every day. Guess what? You will not have to talk about your team. <laughs> Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you. That's it's, definitely, it's, it's, I yeah. haven't thought about that but before, you know what? so but, that's helpful. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, okay, seriously, if you think about it, just just imagine the pitch that Apple made, right? Uh, let's see, this is my buddy Waz, and the two of us went to high school together, and he's been building these like computers in the garage, and we sold 20 to the homebrew computing company. And uh, no, I'm sorry, I didn't finish college and neither did my buddy was. And uh, well, what have you been doing? Eh, I don't know, like kind of like smoking marijuana. I went to India, you know, I studied <laughs> yoga uh, and was, was was cracking the AT&T long distance system, almost got us arrested. So that's our world-class team. Um, you want to <laughs> invest in Apple? <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> No, nah, that's You're an extreme right. example, but I'm telling you, you know, that's so I'm telling you that the key to a pitch is making their heads explode with your product. You do that. Everything else is easy. If you don't do that, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you went to Stanford, got a Harvard MBA and work for McKinsey and Goldman Sachs. It doesn't matter. Mm. What would you say to someone who's who's trying to uh, i guess get a startup off the ground but they're still in the invention sort of phase of really designing the product how do you <laughs> and this is probably the the trillion dollar question isn't it but how do you design a product or service that uh that raises someone's pulse any any tips or any things that you would say well don't do that well, I'm getting repetitious, but I'm telling you, just build the product that you want to use and just hope that you're not the only nutcase. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, I, I don't think it's being quote unquote market driven. Mm. So, I mean, yeah, no, and it's good. I enjoy it a theme. I, I like, and I like that you've mentioned that a couple of times because it's, um, it, it's good advice. Uh, speaking of advice, I wanted to ask you, is there anything that comes to mind as you think back over your career where someone, you know, there was a piece of advice someone gave you and it comes to mind as really, uh, really good advice, a, a great piece of advice that's really stuck with you for some reason. Well, I think what qualifies for that for me is never ask people to do something that you would not do, whether that's mm. go through CAPTCHA or fly coach to the other side of the world or put your credit card yeah. down for a free account or, you know, anything like that, or never ask your employee, your vendor, your partner, and certainly not your customer to do something you would not do. Now, of course, this assumes that you're not some kind of psychopathic nutcase, but you know, <laughs> you get my drift, right? <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, what's a big struggle or problem that you see leaders facing um, in let's pick, um, 
well, you can pick a, a, another sort of pick a hat that you're wearing in one of those sectors. Well, pick one of those, and, and I'd love to know what's a big problem or challenge you're seeing leaders face in that particular industry. Well, uh, I mean, every leader is facing the challenge of sales. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. let's face it, sales fixes everything, which is another li- little wisdom for people that, yeah. you know, as long as you've got sales and you've got cash, you're still in the game. The leading cause mm-hmm. of death of companies is running out of money. So don't yeah. run out of money. And as long as you're not running out of money, you're still in the game. So it, it is that simple. And when you, know, when you have sales, guess what? Your venture capitalists don't bother you because they have other companies that do not have sales. And so they're <laughs> out there triaging them. So be the company with sales. They won't bother you. Yeah. I think that's great advice. And why is it, what is it about sales that we get so distracted about everything else? And why, why do we fail? I, well, I just think it's, why do we fail to see how important it is and lose sight of how it, like you just nailed it. That's so well, true. I, I think the truth is not that people are distracted from sales, but because their product sucks, they're not achieving sales. And so uh, yeah, what yeah. else are they going to do? They have to blow smoke. And so, mm. When you blow smoke, you're trying to cover the fact that if you don't have sales, because frankly, if you had sales, every board meeting would be easy. We're up 50%. Any questions? <laughs> End of board meeting. That's how it should be. Now, if you're if you're down 50%, then you say, well, you know, this, this partnership failed, but here's how we're going to do this. And this is version two coming. And let me give you a demo of version two fixes all the problems in version one. And then, you know, you have to like jump through all these gyrations and all this kind of stuff. But if you have sales, mm. you just say, hey, sales are around 50%. And, and, you know, we can barely keep it in stock. What are your other <laughs> questions? <laughs> yeah. Gee, that's, that's good. I that's mean, all you it's need simple. to know. That's so true though. It's so simple, but it's so, uh, it's so true. It does, <laughs> it does uh, fix everything. Uh, what about for you, I guess, in your downtime, or there might be something that really impacted you at a meaningful level, but do you have any movies or TV shows that are just for some reason there, you know, and, you know, tell you are on this podcast and I love asking leaders this question because we chat about serious topics, but then I've had Golden Girls, Seinfeld, so it doesn't have to be serious. <laughs> I know. <laughs> do you have any, any sort of favorite uh, movies or TV shows even right now? Okay. Uh well, I just got through, I, see, I don't know if you get the same TV shows we have, but I just got through watching a series called Yellowstone, which is about life in Montana um, and how, you know, Silicon Valley is trying to invade Montana and this family is trying to maintain their, you know, it's, it's a mm. very dark, <laughs> but just, <laughs> just, you know, you mentioned Golden Girls and that kind of stuff, but let's. Let me give you the gist, all right? So the gist yeah. of the kind of things that I like to watch and read, by the way, yeah, is more or less like, you know, retired Navy SEAL living with his wife and daughter. They get killed by terrorists, you know, because they were in a train station in New York City. And so the Navy SEAL goes into a drug and alcohol binge trying to recover from this devastating act of terrorism that took the only things that he loved. And so he's deep in this dark hole and 
next thing you know, you hear these helicopters and this helicopter lands on his lawn and these people with earphones, you know, hanging over their uh, ears, knock on the door and they say, get your ass up, get in the helicopter. He doesn't know what's happening. They get in the helicopter. Next thing you know, they're landing on the south lawn of the of the president's house, the White House. <laughs> and they go and see the president, and the president says, listen, freaking CIA can't do shit. FBI can't do shit. <laughs> it, uh, National Security Agency can't do shit. So here's the presidential pardon in advance. I just want you to go out and kill all the bad guys. <laughs> gets back in the helicopter, goes home. He presses a button. The back of his closet opens up, and there's like, you know, there's <laughs> sniper. There's grenades. There's stinger missiles. And he puts all this stuff on. And he goes out. And he starts killing bad guys. And in the meantime, he falls in love with this woman, but she might be a Mossad operative. We're really not sure. <laughs> so that's the kind of stuff I watch. Just FYI, not Golden Girls. That's the kind of stuff I'm interested in. I love that. Yellowstone is in Australia. We do have the same shows. What's that? So is that where you, you do? Yeah, yeah, we do. We do. Just they, they usually come to us about two years later. That's what happens in Australia anyway. Oh. We, well, that's what <laughs> used to happen. <laughs> Everyone would be like waiting for the local um, uh, Netflix down here. Before Netflix sort of came here or when they did, everyone, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, necessarily easy to see the great shows that everyone was talking about online in australia put it that way well you know we're we're in the united states and and we're we're waiting for the next episode of bondi beach boys or whatever it's called so (laughs) it all evens Uh, out that's right (laughs) oh man um that's that's great i love now was that a particular show you were describing or was that just a new book by guy kawasaki coming out soon that's that's every other show on Netflix. Basically. Hey, I tell you what, some, some I would watch that. Netflix. That was good. You had me. You, you had me with that script guy. <laughs> Man, you have low taste in, in video. <laughs> I do. I do. You know what's funny though? I've had one of the shows that's been mentioned multiple times recently is Breaking Bad. Yeah. And uh, have oh, you yeah? seen Breaking Bad? Yeah. Have you, have you um, seen that one? I, I never really got into it. I, You know, I, yeah. I, the other kind of genre I love is um, Scandinavian detective shows. Man, Scandinavian detective uh, shows, they are yes. very dark. And, and uh, like, I loved Oslo. Was it Oslo? What's Oslo, the one I where seen Oslo. it's kind of, okay, it's coming true right now. So Oslo, I think it was called Oslo. Well, anyway, Russia, guess what? Hmm. Here's the storyline. Yeah. Russia invades Norway because Norway uh, is going green and is making nuclear plants that's going to reduce the need for oil. So Russia takes over Norway. Huh. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, and that's so, right. Ring any bells. Hmm. Yes. Scan- is it yeah, occupied? Occupied? Occupied, occupied, not Oslo. Yeah. I'm glad you can use Google better than I can. So anyway, I'm, yeah, I'm that's fast. another one. Have you seen, you know what? <laughs> this is so good. I love I love incorporating this at the end of all of my leadership conversations with great leaders from around the world. It's such a fun way to, <laughs> to end the episodes. There's a great see how, show. See what clowns they are? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Help yeah. everyone feel a bit better about themselves. No, it's, it's good to see behind. Yeah. You know what's a great movie that you should watch? Uh, it's Spanish. I yeah. was thinking whether it was Scandinavian. 
It's called The Invisible Guest. If you haven't seen The Invisible Never Guest, yeah. oh, and yeah. if you enjoy a foreign movie, Spanish mystery thriller yeah. film, one of the best movies I've seen recently. Anyone anyone who loves it is more thriller mystery, but it just reminded me of uh, of your Scandinavian shows that you mentioned. But that's a great and, movie. And wait, and, okay, what what's it called again? I gotta write this down because Oh, you'll love it. It's called no, The I... Invisible Guest. I'm I'm not making this up. <laughs> I'm in my office and I only have styluses. I don't have any pens. <laughs> <laughs> Invisible guest. Okay, I can remember two words. You invisible can remember guest. the invisible Got guest. I'll tell you what. I'll send okay. that to you. When I send you an email after this, <laughs> okay. I'll send you a link okay. to the invisible okay. guest guy. That'll be top. That'll okay. be before anything else. That'll be before the link to share okay. this. I'll send you that note. Um, okay. I, I, <laughs> I'm aware of the time. I, I know that I, uh, I've i just been loving this conversation so much. I've gone a bit over time. Um, do you have a little <laughs> bit more okay. time for a couple more questions or do you need me to, to start wrapping yeah, things up? short, yeah. Okay, I'll ask you a couple I more short eat. questions. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's true. You've been very kind with your time. Okay, couple more that I just really I need want a to flat ask white. you. Yeah. Well, when by the way, coffee. I don't know when you last came to Australia, but gee, next time you're in Brisbane, the coffee up here is fantastic. If you're a coffee drinker, I've been to Brisbane. Oh, I I know personally uh, the the roaster of some of the best coffee in the world who's up here in Brisbane. Black oh Star, yeah, Black Star that's Coffee. Incredible. Anyway, next time you're oh. here, uh, Black Star Coffee. It's Wait, it's, is, it's hmm. Uh, I might take you up on that. <laughs> Wait, is Brisbane <laughs> yep. on the Gold Coast? Okay. Brisbane's north yeah, so of I've the Gold definitely Coast. Been there. Oh yeah. Oh, now that the, the borders coast. are open, we just opened our borders a few days ago. The um, but I'm a coffee oh, really? fanatic. I panic bought coffee. Um, I I know you got to eat, but I had to tell you that story. When everyone else was panic buying Somebody... toilet paper, I went out. I literally, yeah, I know. I bought coffee. I went and I told my wife, I said, I just went and panic bought coffee because they announced, you know, potential lockdowns. And I just went to um, Blackstar up the road and bought coffee and took it home. And uh, and I was like, wow, okay, That's this funny. is seriously, I'm, I'm passionate. I went and everyone's panic buying toilet paper. John is panic buying coffee. Okay, let me get to a question. That was, you had me on coffee. You mentioned a flat white, see? Um, okay, here's one. What What's the best thing you're doing or you're seeing others do it? Canva or where you're just like recently you've been like, oh, that's a fantastic strategy, uh, leadership. Like what's something right now that you're doing or someone else is doing where you're going, that's just really brilliant as a in leadership in marketing? Uh, stunning silence here. I mean, <laughs> if, if you were to apply the test of brilliance. Now, I'm not going to – I could tell you about some very brilliant things that canva is doing but it's too conflicted for me to tell you that okay so just assume okay. i would have so let's take canva <laughs> off the table but sure. um man there's a short i don't i don't even have anybody on that list uh and not a lot of brilliance going on i can tell you some absolute <laughs> total worst marketing in the world but no okay what's the so worst marketing I, in the world you're, you're saying what's an what's Oh, the Republican Party of the United States, by far. I mean, you know, they think that somehow with the changing demographics that they're going to somehow preserve white supremacy or something. I mean, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, talk about a non-marketing driven world. Um, I don't understand it. 
Of course, now they're yeah, proven yeah. wrong and take over the United States. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that that counts. I, I'll take that as a as an example. Anything else? Were you about to say something else? That's it. That's no. the worst example of marketing in the world. The Republican Party of the United States. It's either the best or the worst, but it's <laughs> it's not in the middle. <laughs> okay, two more questions, and then I'll, I'll let you go because I just um, I I value this. You said two so more. Much, one I, one ago. <laughs> oh, did I really? I get. I'm, yeah, that's see, okay. I go told ahead. you before. I said I need to not get too excited chatting with you guy because I've been looking forward to this so much. One more question. If if yes. <laughs> If you're sitting in Brisbane over a wonderful coffee uh, with a young yeah. leader, if you could only give a young leader one piece of advice, one piece of leadership advice, what would you say? I would say, well, young leader meaning this person's in a startup. I mean, tell me more about this person because the advice changes. Yeah, sure. Yeah, they're in, they're in a startup. They're uh, mid-20s. They've they've sort of uh, yeah. had some success already, but now they're about to branch out, go on their own, and they're about to launch a startup. Okay, so my I got a bunch of advice for this person. So first of all, sales fixes everything. That's number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, hire people who are better than you. Number three, give up this theory of work-life balance. There are times in your life you're just going to work your ass off, and there's going to be times in life when you're going to play your ass off. The two are not going to happen at the same time, so get over it. <laughs> there. Boom. Fantastic. Wonderful advice. Well, I have no more questions because uh, because <laughs> I I need to <laughs> I need to respect your uh, your time. Hey, thank you so much. Um, for those who want to find you and your podcast, just quickly, um, do you want to just give a quick summary of of uh, just again sure. the name of the podcast and and where people can find yeah. you, guy? Fine. My name, oh, excuse me. The name of my podcast is Remarkable People. It's at remarkablepeople.com. And basically, I am on a mission to make you remarkable by interviewing remarkable people for their inspiration and knowledge. That's it in a nutshell. And I can get to more remarkable people than anybody in the world, except for maybe. I don't know, except for maybe Michelle Obama. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I got I can get to remarkable people trust me. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Okay. That's great. Well, thank Alrighty. you so much for coming on the podcast, thank you. guy. And um, All righty. All I, my All my I best. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. You have it. enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah, I'm going to go have my vegetable Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. 
I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited, early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this, I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, John White or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you 
to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.